This is Locked in the Green Room, and today I'm chatting with Phil Meadows and Chris Barrett. Phil and Chris are two musicians based in the UK who are behind the new Facebook group that some of you may have seen popping up called Musicians Movement. So Musicians Movement is a place on Facebook at the moment for UK musicians to unite and sort of try and find different ways out of this current situation that we are finding ourselves in as musicians. Chris and Phil have both done a lot of thinking about this whole thing, so I learned a lot just talking to them, and I hope you guys do too. So it'd be just interesting to hear, first of all, how you like what 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 was it that made this group begin? How, how did it all begin? So, yeah, I've saw lots of different musicians uh, putting an incredible amount of energy onto social media um, as lockdown began, but also with a lot of frustration surrounding uh, the future of our sector. And it just got me thinking whether we could all come together to try and find a place for positive change rather than feel isolated in different kind of fractions of the industry. And um, I just set it up kind of on a whim because I wanted to discuss some things with some people. And then 10 days later, we've now got 13,000 members and over 250 letters sent to MPs um, and a, a growing set of partnerships with unions and other organizations. And it, appears that I wasn't the only person who wanted to talk about things and get ahead of the potential future problems for our sector. Okay. And, but so just, just to, just to get an idea, like how did, how did you get involved with it then, Chris? So Phil, you start, you sort of set it up, it seems. And then Chris, what, what, how, how did you get involved? Or Christopher, well, sorry. I don't know if you're Chris or Chris. Like you could even call me Chris, most people do. Okay. I'm my mum. We'd been talking, me and Phil have known each other for a very long time, um, and we've worked together quite a bit. I think we have a similar um, a, a philosophy and approach. Um, so I guess you could say we did start it together. Um, okay. um, but I would, but, you know, Phil, Phil basically got in touch and just said, I'm doing it, because we'd been, we'd been talk, talking about it. Because um, I think he'd gotten, um, he just felt there was a place for it, mm -hmm. and so my contribution, um, it's all very much shared. Um, but I felt that we could push even more towards a really focused and well moderated discussion. So obviously, a very free discussion, and people are from across the entire industry, equity members, uh, MU, ISM, all having an overarching space where they could communicate. But also one that um, that didn't uh, get cluttered, for instance, um, with some of the things that you see on on online forums, and kept us um, focused on achieving actionable, you know, uh, actionable measures in support of music in the UK, um, rather than having a sort of general discussion about how awful everything is. Okay, so yeah, I was about to ask you where. 
to elaborate on that so the the thing that you're trying to the stuff that you're trying to stay clear of it's uh it's sort of having it as this sort of place for people to complain you'd, you'd rather it wasn't that you want it to be somewhere that people can come up with ideas yeah so exactly um this is a place for uh, discussion planning and action are kind of the three things that we keep saying and it's the idea that anybody can bring an idea no matter where they are in the sector as long as they're you know working within the uk you can bring an idea to be discussed amongst thirteen thousand people <laughs> and if a general consensus forms it will be something that we start to actively campaign for yeah and that's exactly what's happened with our first campaign, which is uh, for the reimbursement of Arts Council England's emergency response funds. It's also what's happened with our newly announced partnership with the Music Venues Trust. Yeah. Uh, this is definitely not another union or another fraction in our industry, which quite often can be a little bit bitty and, and segregated because we all play different genres and we don't all get to see each other all the time. This is supposed to be a place where, you know, we put the politics to one side, we put the union membership to one side, and we actually put music first. Yeah. In a, I guess, in a proactive way, yeah. rather than in a reactive way, because historically, uh, as a sector, we've got there too late. Mm. If we think about, you know, the the streaming. Uh, the, the whole Spotify, Amazon, Apple Music thing, you know, we got there after it was already decided. Mm. Zero hours contracts for music peripatetic teachers who now fall in between the cracks between the self-employed scheme and nothing. <laughs> we got there too late. You know, there's no guarantee of work hours for those people. Uh, similarly, with some of the small limited companies, we got there too late. And we have this history of, of being very, very passionate and having incredible energy, but not channeling it in the same place where action can be taken before it's too late. And right now, we're facing the biggest challenges in my lifetime, certainly. You know, the, the big, we face the biggest challenges our industry has possibly faced in the past century. And we need to act now not after we don't get something you know or after something goes wrong it's like we can see the roadmap we can see what is going to happen and we need to act now and come together and support each other no matter what area of the industry we're in we need to support each other's campaigns and bring them to the fore amazing uh man that's uh it's very exciting it's great that you guys are doing it so what 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 was it that, you know when you say musicians we, we 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 turn up late to the to the to these issues occasionally or we have been known to what is it you think what do you think about us as musicians makes that happen um well there's a number of different um there's a number of different factors i think sometimes that we're not uh good at communicating across the industry um sometimes the classical sector doesn't communicate with the jazz sector which is very silly because most of the musicians do actually cross over a little bit. It's a kind of an old concept that people sort of just do, do one or the other. Um, but sometimes in terms of the way the organizations uh, and their members have worked, 
for whatever reason, um, we, we could do, do better. Um, I also think, from my point of view, and I, I don't know what Phil thinks about this, but I, I've noticed that um, we sometimes can get involved in party political politics, which are very important. I mean, they are really important, and we both have our views, both Phil and myself. Um, but sometimes that may get in the way of us being able to channel information to government and reach a really wide audience across the country um, that's kind of beyond uh, beyond politics. Um, I'm not sure that that's fair to say, but I think so. Certainly in my personal experience, I've seen a number of situations where the party politics stop us from from winning allies um, across across the, the country, really. Mm, that's interesting. Do you I mean, I'm I'm sort of reading between the lines here. Are you that perhaps the musicians are generally quite left wing? Is that a lot of the time? That's the case, right? Mm. And perhaps the rest of the country is not. <laughs> <laughs> or there's a lot a lot of the country is not and perhaps that might be some something that can come up occasionally is that right to say well, i don't i don't know if it i think those definitions of right and left wing are um there's some very important differences but the the beautiful thing about music and arts generally but particularly music is that it brings all of those people together mm -hmm. um, yeah man. You, know, you go to a gig and all of a sudden you can find that you're meeting all sorts of different types of people and and maybe those categories uh are uh, less clear when you actually meet the people 100%. rather than yeah yeah you know countryside and uh and cities and left and right and all this stuff they're very ancient um divides but i don't know if they're relevant so it's not that we're trying to sort of be one or the other what we're trying to do is make sure that we don't um we we don't cut ourselves off from the wider um, the wider population by getting involved in really detailed uh, party political discussions on the page. I actually think there's a lot of room for that, but on a page that's specifically dedicated to taking action on support of all UK music and all UK musicians, that we can just stay away from from the particular political points and we would do the same if it was a labor government yeah. hopefully we can we can get people picking up the phone without feeling defensive towards us um before they even make the call if you see what i mean music is an art form that touches every single person in this country whether they are right wing left wing central far left far right no matter what political persuasion you are you will hear music you'll engage with it you'll interact with it and it's one of the greatest assets that we have as a nation and to affiliate with a particular side just doesn't add strength to an argument that needs to be based on the brilliant universal benefits of music and our industry and if you want to get into kind of like the micro sectors within music, there are certain things that are traditionally left, but there's also a huge corporate and wedding and industrial side of music, which is definitely not left. Yeah. You know, so there are massive parts of our own sector that are from these different kind of mm. political sides. So it just seems a little bit strange to outwardly back one because yeah. not everybody can unite under that. 
Oh, I so said, agree. Yeah, as Chris said, we all have our opinions um, and we all have our sides and that's cool. And that's what makes this group awesome is that there are people who have so many different views. Um, but as a group, our message is not strengthened or weakened by political allies. It's strengthened by music. Mm, yeah, amazing. And I think, I guess what, you know, I think that you do have to be, and, and you have to be how, as you are being, um, uh, careful to, if you want that to be the case, you probably have to sort of make it the case because it very easily can just go one way or the other, can't it? If, you know, and, and it could just be taken either, either way if you didn't sort of moderate that, I guess. Yeah, and I think it has actually, by a very small minority, you know, really a handful of people, um, it has been taken in particular ways, you know, oh. when it first popped up, and hopefully this podcast will help people to understand a bit more about why we're doing this and what we're trying to achieve. But when it first popped up, we had people uh, going, jumping straight to conclusions that this was a divide and another faction uh, and we already have unions and we already have this uh -huh. and why do we need another one? And, yeah. it's, and, it, and we're here to partner and support yeah. all of them, not to side off with one of them. And we've also, yeah, and our discussions so far behind the scenes um, have been fantastic and fantastically varied. We are in direct communication with Labour and Conservative politicians, MPs, and we're not getting anything back that you know that is negative. They're they're really enjoying the fact that they can buy into this thing that's just putting that art forms before the politics or before you know a particular view. And that yeah. we're campaigning for good things, not political things. Mm. Very, it's very exciting. It's very nice to it's nice to see it. It's been exciting to see it grow. It grew, grew so quickly, didn't it? it? Grew by you know it. It must have been quite exciting for you guys having started this, thinking, "Oh, it's a good idea," and suddenly there's what thirteen thousand people on there after a week. Yeah, what? and I think, I mean, as Chris was saying, we. <laughs> We were almost having daily phone calls before I set up the group and um, kind of just like thinking about things and chatting and, and kind of pointing out that if something doesn't happen, we could end up in a very dangerous position with tens of thousands of redundancies and unemployment and the music venue trust reports say that, you know, 90% of venues and festivals at grassroots levels face closure. So that's up to 90% of those gigs gone and 90% of those jobs gone at the end of the year if things don't change. And we really are facing real problems that are bigger than an individual part of our sector. And we were discussing all of this stuff. And then one day um, I tried to start a discussion in another group on Facebook um, and it wasn't anything politically aligned. It was just uh, what we're going to do about a situation. And it got taken down and I got kicked out of the group. Oh, really? And told that it was a divisive post and the group was there to help people. And I was thinking, well, we now need to be thinking 
beyond beyond where we are. We now need to be trying to put out the fire that's about to start. Mm. Um, so I just went, okay, fine. I'll start a group, you know, reasonably flippantly. <laughs> I'll start a group and I'll have that discussion with myself. And then the next day there was five and I woke up, there was 500 and something members. And then the next day there was like 2000 members. And, and, and I was just like, Chris, I think yeah. I've ac- accidentally put some of our thoughts down in a group that's uh, lots of people <laughs> are joining. And then, yeah, a week later, there's 13,000 and, and we've got a team now of five uh, volunteers who it's growing, who are doing incredible work behind the scenes. It's amazing. Yeah. Hey, you know, I think, what is it about Britain that that means that we need this over, you know, because you look at, this is the thing that really changed. Well, it's not changed my mind, but there was a point for me personally where I was like, I've been grappling with like what I think we as musicians deserve from the government, you know, knowing that we're in a crisis and thinking, well, maybe, you know, we shouldn't be giving them a hard time. And then I saw that, that, that thing that, you know, we should, this is what happened to me. I was thinking that we shouldn't, maybe, you know, we're in a crisis. Maybe, you know, I shouldn't be complaining. I shouldn't feel sorry for myself as a musician, blah, blah, blah. Then I saw that thing about the, the other, all the other countries in, in the world that are like giving billions of pounds to the arts industry. And I suddenly realized that it was for me, or maybe this is, this is a conclusion I came to, it's my Britishness that's coming out there when I'm saying, when I'm thinking, oh, you know, just leave, don't worry about me. I'm just a musician. I'll, I'll just get a job in Sainsbury's and then, you know, it's fine. And I, was, I wasn't thinking like, I guess I would be perhaps if I was um, in a different country. I think other countries, they, they see the arts in a completely different way. And even me as a musician, my Britishness was coming out of, oh, you know, I'll, I'll be fine. Or, and also the, the Britishness of like, Oh, you know, I'll just suck it up and get a job and 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 uh, and deal with deal with my music later or something, you know. And so I guess that was me just going on a rant, think, saying what I think. But you'd be great in Sainsbury's, though. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I think purple and orange would really bring out your eyes. Yes, bring out my ginger beer. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but there's, you know, there's some something to be said even for. Um, We'll put it this way. So I've I've lived uh, in the states. I obviously travelled a lot as lots, lots of musicians too. I was born born here. All my family's from here, and I'm a bit of a, a mix in terms of my culture. Um, British culture and English culture is obviously very different in some ways in Scottish, Welsh, and uh, Northern Ireland's culture. But there there are really useful things about that. I think probably when you're talking about that kind of get your head down and get on with it. That's probably the tradition of people who were went from picking turnips to getting shot at, um, and and came from a time where um, you know there were huge issues uh, to to deal with. And I think probably in the early stages for the government, which I'm not defending, um, they had some really s- serious issues uh, to get to grips with, um, and um, maybe we unfortunately were lower in that that list of priorities. Um, but I think what I'm really keen on is pointing out that, that the right, for instance, it doesn't get to say that, that, um, that, that the music is not theirs and the left doesn't get to say that the music says the music is, is all of ours. It's everybody in the country. It's our culture. If there's anything that is, if there's a such thing as being British and Britain's culture, then surely it is 
it's culture it's that's why that's the in the in the word so what we're trying to do now is is really focus so that if i pick up a phone or phil picks up a phone with a conservative mp and their chief of staff looks through our uh, page uh, or the, the coming website or our briefings they can see that we're absolutely focused on um specific measures which are relevant to uk music and we're just not getting involved in all those other other discussions um and i think there is some use uh to that and i think there's um there's a space that was that maybe did need creating and that's yeah. part of the reason that we we've, we've done it in this way uh but we are we are critical of the 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 announcement last week um but we're trying to be critical of the specifics and not uh, so critical of the general state of government. We can talk about that in another forum. Yeah, yeah, that's a, yeah, that makes a lot of sense. So the first thing that you guys have uh, sort of uh, focused your attention on, would you like to talk just a little bit more about that? Yeah, so the first thing, everything we've done in the group so far has been completely uh, democratic and we've invited members to come forward with ideas to join we've been opening rooms so up to 50 at a time can come in and be part of a video meeting and conversation and we've built the campaigns that we've kind of we're working on the two things that we're kind of now working on they have been built because members have said that's what they want to support um, and I think it's important to first say we, we are well aware that they don't cover the whole sector, but they do play a, a very big, important part. And there'll be other campaigns coming that will support other sectors. So if anybody listening to this, you know, maybe works purely in the corporate side of things or the wedding side of things or, or whatever it is, we want you to come forward with an idea for action because we want you to support the people who are funded by this or need the grassroots venues and we want those people to support your part of the industry because it's about a group power but that's a little side note because i just wanted to put the caveat on that um, the first thing that we've kind of decided to tackle based on feedback is the um replenishment of the arts council emergency response fund so when we went into lockdown Arts Council closed down all of their open grants. And those open grants are the things that normally go to artists to develop work, um, to create work, to tour it, to venues and festivals, to run things. Um, and they have been closed and the money has been diverted. Well, 120 million pounds of the money has been diverted into emergency response which is there to block the flow of damage. Normally, that money would be used specifically to develop our arts and culture, not, to, not as a damage limitation exercise. So we've asked everybody to write to their MPs with a letter and a set of instructions to get a question asked to the Prime Minister to replenish 64.8 million pounds, which is what's been spent as part of the national lottery grants, 
that they've closed down and they've diverted from. We want that money to be replenished so that it can go towards funding people to adapt and change into the new normal. Mm. Yes, and ju just to jump in, this is where um, it's it's kind of interesting to um, to see the reaction from um, from uh, across the entire sector and also in uh, across the entire political sphere. We're really trying to make people um, aware that it's not it's not even save the arts. It's more like you know what did Churchill say? Give us the tools, we'll get the job done. I'm not talking about his politics, but just about that point. You know, the 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 right, for instance, doesn't get to claim that they're the most conscientious and the most hardworking, for instance, and that these are sort of right wing or conservative or Tory values, for instance. I mean, I know all of us here are professional musicians, and we're all colleagues with a lot of professional musicians, and those those qualities of you know of hard work and consistency um and um and community these are musical values and so when we're, we're taking this across uh to government it's not give us some more money please um you know because we're a charity case you know the industry has been shut down we're not we're literally not allowed to work are we we're not allowed to go to work. So what we're asking is that 64.8 million has come down. We just want to get at least back to zero so we can get back to work. Um, and it's really as, as simple as that. And the reason that we're focusing on the 64.8 million figure um, so specifically is because we know that Musicians Union, ISM, and the other uh, arts organizations are working very hard on this financial package which we're hoping to get an announcement on but we felt that there was um additional room without getting in their way to supplement their efforts by really trying to bring this to the attention of mps that if we have the funding put in place in three weeks time and then the arts council has to go through and then we and then people apply for the funding we're getting you know 10 weeks 13 weeks away from the 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 day that they they give it, give the arts council the funding, and that's time that we could be putting in plans, uh, putting in place plans um, to take advantage of the lockdown um, softening. Yeah, and it's also time that is uh, passing as the uh, furlough schemes and self-employed schemes come to an end as well. And I know that they haven't been able to help everybody, but the huge amounts of people that they are are going to have this huge gray area where the economy is opening up but they're not allowed to work yeah yeah and that's you know for me as a musician uh that this has been and I, i've been waiting for this point knowing that this is going to be the worst part in a way because actually there was a point of there was a time of unity right when everyone was like oh god what are you doing on lockdown oh it's crazy isn't it and then as everyone goes back to work and like you said we're just left doing nothing it can be quite depressing right that's that's the thing yeah and i've i've heard some people now referring to the furlough schemes as um pre-redundancy schemes because of the way that certain industry sectors are going and i personally would argue that the music sector is going in that way and i have several colleagues in various organizations who have been on furlough and are now facing redundancies yeah. yeah yeah and so just just to clarify you know the this fund the, how much is it sorry the four is it 48 million have 60, i got that 
64.8 million. 64. Um, I've got a bad memory for numbers. Yeah, well, no, because there is some discussion. So I know that gra uh, that the music venue trust came to a figure of 50 million. Um, and I think that's specifically related to the grassroots music venues. Ours also includes the open access uh, national lottery uh, project grants. So that ah. figure of 64.8 million is the the figure that the Arts Council published. I think it was around 12 days ago is as what's been spent of the total fund, which was, was 120 million yeah. diverted, Phil? Yeah. So that's, so that's quite a lot of that fund that you're talking about goes to venues, grassroots venues. Then. Well, it's a, it's a whole mixture. So what, what Arts Council have done and, um, you know, that we've been reaching out to them quite a lot through this campaign. And, and from what we understand, um, what they've done is created separate packages. Okay. So they've created packages for the funding packages for the national portfolio organizations to continue doing their brilliant work. Uh, national portfolio organizations tend to be bigger um, organizations that support arts. Uh, you know, for example, uh, the National Youth Jazz Orchestra is a national portfolio organization. Okay, um, so they're okay. They, they, they're already, they're going to well, be okay. Um, I wouldn't say okay, okay. but um, what, they've, what the Arts Council have done, you normally apply for that status every three years, uh -huh. and you would have had to apply for it next year, I think. Um, and what they've done is they've rolled over the national portfolio organization grants for one more year without having to reapply. So okay. what they've done is they've kind of bumped, they've given those organizations a bumper and helped to cover the, the losses that organizations and charities beyond the national portfolio organizations have faced. So if you're a festival and you're not a national portfolio organization, and you've lost a load of money because you had to pull it last minute, they're going to help you get that money back so you can continue. Mm -hmm. And again, although that's not necessarily the money we're asking for right now, that gets those festivals back to zero. Yeah, it, It's a reset button, and that's what we're asking for. Um, so you've got the national portfolio organizations being having their funding rolled over so they can, they can still do some work. Um, but... You know, they are facing increasing pressure as well. You've got charities and organizations having losses uh, subsidized so they get back to zero so they don't go bankrupt or into administration. Mm -hmm. And you've got the um, equivalent to the national lottery grants, which are helping musicians directly, which you could apply for up to two and a half thousand pounds of emergency response funding to help you adapt to the situation or to cover some lost work and, and that kind of thing. Mm -hmm. um, so what the Arts Council has done is incredible. Yeah, and they've course, stepped yeah. in where, you know, the government have been flat out with a pandemic yes. and making sure that, you know, music or the arts get some funding mm -hmm. isn't directly saving the lives of all the people who have COVID-19. So we do respect our place within that. And the Arts Council has stepped in whilst the government have been preoccupied and rightly so. Mm -hmm. um, but now's the time to get that money back because it will damage us in the long term. And we are on the brink of a, of a major industrial collapse in the UK for music and the arts if something isn't done soon. 
this is something that um is really um interesting you can you can look at it look at it in two different ways you can you can look at the um just the inherent value of art which is something i don't think that any of us here need really to um to have explained to us is it there is an inherent value to art in fact if you want to know what a real human being is if they find the old cave paintings you know, 40,000 years ago, and they go, well, the, the, what sort of humans are these? Are these modern humans? And they find art. They go, ah, oh, that's modern human beings. In other words, that's literally what defines us as human beings. But there's also another point of view, which is the, the economic point of view. And uh, I think it's important to understand that when, when certain people talk about the economic benefits, and it seems a little bit like they're not getting the... Um, the kind of how great just art is in and of itself, that they, they're focused on something that is important as well. And so what I've been pointing out in some of my private conversations is that the UK um, abroad is known for its arts, its museums, its, uh, its painters, its, its musicians, its theatre. Everywhere you go, people know it's, uh, it's, it's, uh, it's uh, writers. Everyone yeah. knows Dickens and Shakespeare and the Beatles. Um, just Sorry. briefly to hop in, there's a, if just to give a reference point to what Chris is talking about, there's a, a book that was published in 1998 by Mazzola, Park and Thalman that talks in great detail about the historical context and the link to creativity and what roles of creativity are. And it goes back to 40,000 BC is the first example of art that, you right. know, that we can directly follow back to. This has been part of culture across the world for over 40,000 years, which is, you know, just to kind of add a little bit of perspective. Yeah, absolutely. And what I'm finding is, is that we're, um, so I, I took the view, I think a couple of years ago after, um, uh, seeing, I, I lived in the States, for instance, during the Trump election, um, which I'm not going to comment on, but it was very interesting. Um, and I found that I, I started, I made a decision basically that I would start listening to people and just let them tell me what they really, really thought. And I have a lot of issues with a lot of what people say, but I have learned that that you can sometimes by using the by using the language and understanding people's motivations, you can win allies um, across the, across the board. So there's things like even the um, the Henry Jackson Institute was talking a, a couple of years ago about uh, did a study on global power, and it basically said that the the superpower in the world is the U.S. and the only global power is the U.K. still, and a big part of that they listed. This is a this is a think tank that's talking about geopolitics. And they listed the arts and culture as one of the great uh, strengths of the United Kingdom. And it pointed out that if you were trying to, for instance, work on human rights abroad, which are really, really important, that our culture was one of the one of the things that kind of got us in the door. So this 64.8 million going back to that, it's like the Arts Council could choose to spend that in any number of different ways. And we can talk about it then. But if we've not got any money, then the discussions are completely pointless because there's not going to be any art to have a discussion about. And so it just seemed like the most basic, um, uh, necessary thing that we could focus on in, in the short term, certainly. So just, 
let's just let's just hear your worst case scenario with this if this doesn't work out and and i'd like to hear your worst case scenario with it and your best case scenario so your worst case scenario is that the money doesn't doesn't become replenished uh just catastrophize for me for a moment i don't want to be too stressful on this podcast but you know what what could that mean if this particular pot of money isn't replenished that is 64.8 million pounds that will not go towards the the development of arts within the new normal so it will see thousands of people's jobs come under threat whether that's someone working in the industry for a festival or a venue or a, a sound technician a musician a promoter a pr company you know it is what people don't realize is that when the arts council funds something the musician doesn't always know and i found myself explaining this quite a lot in the in the group actually the idea that when we go on the road and when we play in a small venue or even a big venue like the Queen Elizabeth Hall or the Barbican or a festival like the London Jazz Festival or the Manchester International Festival or the Huddersfield Contemporary Festival, you might not be funded as a musician by the Arts Council, but they are as a festival or as a venue. So nearly every theatre venue, small jazz, classical venue, concert series has some form of funding from the Arts Council, which we indirectly benefit from as musicians. So I think if this money doesn't get replenished, we will see a severe um, dent in the amount of performance opportunities. We will see an uptake in redundancies and unemployment for musicians. And we will see um, a situation start to develop that will take a generation to recover rather than a year or two or three. You know, it's. And, and it's not just, you know, this is our first campaign. This is one of like a huge amount of problems. And if we look at all the problems that we that are kind of coming into play at the moment, if if it goes the way that it looks like it's going, it's going to be catastrophic for everybody. That's that's just as far as, you know, I've heard of wedding venues already closing. 90% of grassroots venues look like they're going to close if they don't get some form of support. Um, musicians aren't going to have performance opportunities. Uh, teachers aren't going to be able to go into schools and give lessons. There's already murmurings of, uh, of peripatetic teaching work not being allowed to happen in the whole of the next academic year. Yes, yeah, and that's going to be, and that's potentially then going to be incredibly damaging for our already um, vulnerable higher education university infrastructures. You know. Kids aren't going to get the chance to be creative, so it's going to have a direct impact on their education. I mean, and these aren't things that, you know, I'm plucking out of thin air. These are realistic things that will unfold if the arts doesn't get supported and if music doesn't get supported. These are, these are inevitable if we continue in this way without a government cash injection. Hmm. And this is something that's not that we can really get to the nuts and bolts on, thanks to um, Mark David and the Music Venue Trust, 
who sent out a questionnaire of, was it 500 grassroots venues who who uh, responded yeah. and they they've made it i mean i encourage people to go have a look at this because they really have looked at the data and their data says 90% of grassroots venues grassroots music venues will close without the 50 million they're asking for um, and we're asking for for sixty four point eight to get us back to zero. That that is in that is what will happen in the immediate uh, term. And in the in the long term, again, I think this could this is something that could permanently scar and damage Britain's culture. And that's not an airy fairy concept. Um, our culture is what actually unifies the country. It's what gives us a sense of identity. Um, uh, as people who will contribute to society. Um, and just at this moment where, you know, Brexit has, it's happened, so we're not going to relitigate that, um, but it's obviously an even more important time to, to come together as a country. Um, and normally you do that around the arts. You know, if you go to somebody's birthday party, they've got music on. There's almost, there's almost no social gathering I can imagine that isn't, isn't uh, where social cohesion isn't improved through music, it's one of the most basic. Yeah. Um, Apart uh, from Weatherspoons, who won't pay for a music license. Well, they're they're not coming off very well with the whole COVID thing, anyway, are they, Weatherspoons? But yeah, um, yeah, yeah. They've, they've 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 got their own own things to to deal with. Um, joking, <laughs> joking aside, <laughs> but um, they say in um, in in House of Cards. You may think that, you may very well think that, but we couldn't possibly comment. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. um, um, just oh. to touch quickly on what Chris said, um, it's really important that people, the general public are made aware of what's happened in lockdown. You know, Netflix subscriptions and what hours of watching Netflix programs or YouTube videos have gone through the roof. Spotify streams have gone through the roof. People tuning into live streams, enjoying musicians on the NHS uh, as they clapping as they go out and play to their neighbours. People have been engaging and enjoying the arts. Could have been the National Theatre doing free shows. It, uh, there's been so much happening and everyone's been engaging with it for free. And well, all I, we're doing is the, asking for help to be sustainable. Just going to say, Phil, I can tell that Spotify streams have, have gone up because my revenues doubled actually on Spotify from one pence to two. <laughs> nice one, Matt. It's all going to be all right. <laughs> could, uh, could you donate that 2p to the musicians' movement, Chris? It's done. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, man, if we all did that with our Spotify uh, revenue, you guys would. Uh, You'd still have a lot of uh, a lot of road to travel. I could um, buy another pack of wagon wheels. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Can I just let me just take it? Um, I asked you to catastrophize and tell me the the worst case scenario. Well, let, let's uh, let's think about a world where you get what you well yeah the group gets what it is asking for. Um, what do we see? Right. Yeah. So. The £64.8 million, um, we're deliberately not getting involved with if and how and when that would be spent. We would, if it's successful, like to be consulted in that process, but we don't want to be in charge of any of it. 
But to our understanding from speaking to lots of Arts Council funded organisations, that £64.8 million is going to go pretty much directly to um, adaption. It's going to go to festivals so that they can run online digital festival platforms and venues so they can house performances again, which in turn will pay fees to musicians. It will go to musicians to help transition their career from this thing that has always been in person to something that now might have to flicker between real life and digital life. It's, it's an investment. Well, it's not even an investment, is it? It's going back to zero. Yeah. <laughs> the reimbursement will allow what would normally happen and what normally happens with Arts Council money to happen. People will benefit, projects will be created, the general public will have access to lots and lots of new incredible art and educational opportunities. Musicians will have better health and well-being options to help us through this difficult time. Um, you know, Help Musicians UK is an Arts Council funded charity as well. Um, they do all the health and well-being. There's, you know, there will be more performance opportunities and there will be new platforms and all sorts of things. I mean, if you think about your friends and colleagues, and I know if I think about mine and the people that I've met so far through the Musicians Movement Group, if we had 64.8 million pounds and the incredible, creative, positive and passionate minds that we're seeing, an awful lot can be achieved and we can create what will start to look like the new landscape for the music industry. Um, and we do have to change because you could end up in a lockdown again. You know, those poor people in Leicester, if that happened just as we were getting our gigs back in, I don't know, in Bristol or in Burnley or wherever, and then all of a sudden we lost our work again, we need to build these other options. And, and I think for me, that's where this money would be directly beneficial. I, and I think, you know, I'm Phil puts it in such a, such a positive way it's it's why it's been such a, a joy to get to work together as much as we have um i just want to emphasize and this isn't to be the bearer of bad news at all but basically that 64.8 million is like the patient is lying on the table right now and it's like you know the like the heart rate monitor is going towards and it's like well don't worry we've got a funding package here for you in just a few weeks time and it's going to be like you know wake up come on yeah. Got the funding package. March, March, what, what happened to March and April and May and June, mid-July, just in the middle of peak season? So, so this is like, this 64.8 million is like step one. Obviously, there's going to need to be um, a major inv investment in the arts and uh, the creative sector generally. The creative sector is worth pointing out, contributes the, the larger creative sector, over 100 billion pounds to the UK economy every year, which is a three trillion, three trillion is our GDP. So that's not a small amount. That's a particularly for a service sector orientated economy. That's kind of the lifeblood of um, of the the economy because it's where all the other industries move through. It kind of facilitates everything else working. And I feel like of the um, of the the creative sector, music and the arts are the sort of the the spearhead, the vanguard of that. So this 64.8 million, in a sense, really is just to keep the lights on. And then we can have a discussion about how we, we 
we improve the, the situation. But this is absolutely crucial that this 64.8 million uh, goes to the Arts Council like right now. Um, or we're not going to be able to even have a discussion about um, about the future. Not to not to be the bearer of bad news is really important, and I think people do understand that um, yeah. across uh, the entire spectrum. When I set up this group, I certainly didn't imagine getting involved in voluntary fourteen-hour days, um, and still don't really. But it's such an important matter that I'm we're throwing absolutely everything at it and so are the other volunteers in the group you know um and it it is it is a critical time but we also need to remember that 13,000 people have stepped up to the plate to have their voices heard and that is that's a powerful message and we are making new friends all over the country all political allegiances all the organizations are stepping out to work in partnership with us uh, we're talking to educational institutions. People are reaching out, and they're they're really enjoying the positivity that is coming from the group. The fact that it's apolitical, and we're not, you know, verbally, you know, slandering other people, and that we are focused on on this change. The the feedback that we've got for the work that everybody in in the musicians movement group is putting in has been overwhelmingly positive, and. This is just the beginning, really. It's great. Um, I, you know, so anybody listening who who doesn't who hasn't uh, who hasn't joined the group uh, and doesn't know what they can do to help, why don't you just let people know what they, yeah, how they can how they can get involved? Well, the the easiest uh, way to to interface with what we're doing is just to go to the Facebook group, which is Musicians Movement. Um, musicians with an apostrophe at the end of the S, and it should—it must be easy to find because thirteen thousand other people have found it. Um, and and then once you're um, involved in the discussion, we're really trying to to encourage people to. So say we have a say we have an announcement that is very bad from the government. For instance, it's very depressing. It's very worrying. We're encouraging people to rather than just say, "Look at how awful this is," don't we all agree? to instead come forward and say, this is really awful. Um, this is what I can contribute. And, um, you know, this is what I'm, I'm uh, this is how I can help. Um, if anybody needs help on this or wants to discuss this, I'm available. Um, and we found that people are coming forward to do that. And that that's really probably the most useful thing you, you can do. And you're very welcome to get in touch with this personally. I've tried, um, we talked about these 14 hour days. It, Fun fact: I had a full head of hair two weeks ago. Um, well, you haven't I've, had a full head of hair since you were a baby, Chris. <laughs> the truth comes out. Um, <laughs> Mine's going. No, you're <laughs> yeah, fine. Be careful. Be careful. Yeah. Um, we don't know. We don't know about you, Matt, with the hat. But anyway, um, I, I'm telling you, it's fucking. It's nearly gone. That's why I'm wearing a hat. I just keep forgetting to shave it. It's, it's gone. Yeah. Mine's is a goner. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> one of those round ones. That's what I found. You kind of just go. There yeah. was a really you got a round one. Where my my beard was the same length, and I could just go round in a circle and do my whole head. Um, just to say, I've been. So we've been. Um, I think if we're honest, the online space can bring out the worst in people if you're not careful, and that's partly to do with just the way it's structured. 
Yeah, they man. want a short-term hit. Um, they want you to be acting based on fear or lust, or, you know, not, things that you'll you'll immediately act and then hopefully buy something. So um, we've had issues uh, from perfectly lovely people where, for instance, I've moderated a post where somebody says, Boris Johnson looks like a clown and I hope he dies. You know, it's like, right, okay, well, I can understand your frustrations, but that's not really uh, in line with the group rules, which were all decided. Um, and so, you know, sorry about that, but the comments being been you know, not being allowed to go through. And then in some cases, they've come back and said, why am I being censored? Part of the reason we've been putting in these 14 hour days is I will then go back very often and say, lovely for you to uh, to contribute. This is what we're trying to do. You know, I don't know if you've seen our letter, for instance. Um, and then people will very often come back and say, OK, I understand what's going on. I've got the letter sent off to my MP. So that's what I mean when I say we're moderating it. We're really trying to take everybody who contributes seriously, give them the time of day. Um, but one thing you can do if you want to come onto the group is just really read the group rules and see what you can do to contribute to the conversation and particularly to taking specific actions that are relevant and helpful to all the, all the musicians in the UK. That's what we really want. Because think about it, there are 13,000 people there. What if 13,000 people call their MPs every two days, politely, courteously pointing out that we need the 64.8 million? That, that is something. That is something. You're right. You're right. Um, it's been a real, it's been a pleasure to, to talk to you both. And uh, I think, I think we've, uh, we've got your message across, right? I, 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 certainly, I certainly get it. And it's, um, it's pretty exciting. You know, it's uh, you've taken me on a roller coaster of emotions of uh, stress about how <laughs> how 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 the world is, uh, how we all are going to survive, and then through all the way through to excitement uh, as to how I can help and how it could change and how we could make uh, make positive things happen. So. If that's happened to me, I'm hoping that happens to everybody who's listening. So I, uh, I thank you very much for chatting to me, guys. Um, yeah. Thanks bye. for having us. So thanks for listening today to Locked in the Green Room. I was chatting to Phil Meadows and Christopher Barrett, the two musicians behind the new Facebook group that's gaining a lot of traction, Musicians Movement. You can find that by just going to Facebook and typing in Musicians Movement and you will see uh, updates on how they're doing, what they're up to and how you can get involved with everything as well. Thanks very much for listening and I hope to see you again soon. Goodbye. Goodbye.